Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. We're starting a brand new series called Labels. Everybody shout out Labels. Man, this is going to be exciting. First series of the year, and I cannot wait to preach these messages. Uh, So hold your place there. We'll get to Genesis in just a moment. I don't know about you, but I don't like stickers. I don't, I don't like stickers, and uh, I'm actually going to talk all about that next weekend. I don't like stickers. I don't like them on my car. Uh, my wife would tell you that. Don't put a sticker on anything I have because you got to pull them off. And then they leave this little gook. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I'm not big on stickers and labels, but we're going to talk all about labels and stickers and go into all of those things over the next few weeks. What this series is about, it's about identity and freedom. And our vision for making disciples here at One Community is to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Is that right? That's our four vision statements at OCC. And in that finding freedom is where critical turning points take place. Y'all believe that? What I believe is identity is where most of our struggle is targeted from the enemy. We label ourselves all the time, and the truth is most of the time we don't know who we are, but the problem is we think we know who we are. Amen. Now, I want to show you this because you need to understand this before we go into this because a lot of the things I'll talk about, I don't really want to put a negative connotation on labels, so I do want to show you that some labels are good, okay? Uh, Let me show you. For example, this bottle. Y'all see this bottle? Can anybody guess what's in this bottle? Water. I thought that's what you would guess. Okay. But we really don't know what's in this bottle because it's not labeled. Am I right? So, I'm just going to tell you, you know what's in this bottle? Cleaning fluid. But you, won't, you don't know that. You assume it's water. But we don't know because the bottle doesn't have, doesn't have a label. So how many of you believe with Pastor that some labels are beneficial? So we do need labels. So if this had a label, we would know what it was and would be okay to drink it. So nobody walk up here and drink this, okay? All right. So some labels are beneficial. I believe that our deepest desire is to be labeled by God. I believe that. There is something in us that wants to be labeled by God. Because He's the one that created us. Not just on the outside, but He created the inside. And the Bible talks about that. He created the inwardmost parts of our being. And that's the God who knows us. Uh, A great example of this would be if you had a Ford automobile and a Chevy automobile, you can't just drive up and say, you know, uh, this is a Ford, but it identifies as a Chevy. Now, you can say it's a Chevy. You could even put a Chevy logo on it. He said it would run better. Hey, we're not getting into that fight, okay? 
But anyway, you could put a Chevy logo or vice versa. You could take a Chevy and put a Ford logo on there. But when you pop the hood and you look underneath, it's a Ford or a Chevy. Why? Because it has those parts. The manufacturer made it that way. Amen? Here's the thing. The inside and the outside of us should match up. The inside and the outside should match. But having the wrong label on the outside and something else on the inside is where the danger comes in. And that's why a lot of Christians get labeled hypocrite. Because the inside and the outside don't match up. It was my goal. And one of my priorities is to make sure that I'm feeding you enough and doing everything I can to disciple you and all the things that we can do for you to help the inside and the outside match up. That's what we want. Because when you say you're a Christian on the outside, but then those inside emotions come out and you get mad and cuss somebody out, they're not matching up. Are y'all following me? So the inside and the outside should match up. The biggest question in life is this. Who am I? Am I a degree on the wall? Am I my title? Uh, Am I my relationships that I have? Am I my race? Am I my ethnicity? And before you're ever born, people start labeling you. And I'm not talking about gender, but I'm talking about even with baby Harlan, you know, uh, we were just playing around, but said, you know, you want to be a team roper and all these type things. And so what happens is we put expectations on those little guys when they're in their mama's womb and we start saying, you're going to be this. But maybe God's not saying what you're saying. So they have to match up. And we put these labels and we say they're going to be like this or going to be like that. And they're going to have this personality or that personality. And then they don't. And what happens is it disorients us and it confuses us because we have this expectation they're going to be this. And God said they're going to be this. Does that make sense? Now, what happens with these kiddos, and I found, find it ironic we dedicated a baby today. But so we started Baby River on a trajectory today. And we're believing God. The Bible says when you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. So we're going we're gonna to set the course. We're going to aim the arrow. We're going to aim her in the right direction, right? But here's the thing. She has to walk that direction out, okay? Now, something happens where everything gets goofed up, and it's called puberty, I wonder sometimes, why did God make us the way he made us? But about 12 or 13, there's something called hormones that are going to just go, and it's, you're talking about screw your head up. It's like a scrambled egg. And so these kids are trying to figure out, who am I? And they're going through these teenage years. And unfortunately, if they have the wrong people or the wrong influences in their life, whether they're good or bad, they will start telling them who they are. Okay? And, and this can be anything. It can be friends. It can be certain cultures that they hang out with. It could be a redneck culture, cowboy culture, goth, ink people. I don't know. All the different cultures that we have in our society today. 
And when you start hanging out with that culture, that's what you become. Does that make sense? And so you have all of these cultures that are, are bidding for that child to, to go into and they'll accept them. And here's the thing, most of them just want acceptance. So they're coming into these groups, these cultures, and they're accepting the things that, that, that this culture promotes and stands for. I'll go into this more in just a moment. But another thing that happens is during those teenage years, and this, this can be huge for a child, they get a boyfriend or girlfriend. And once they get that boyfriend or girlfriend, of course, it has a profound impact on their development. And so as they're developing, they got this boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, I call them hairy-legged boys that come along, and they start influencing them. Now, it's not all bad. I've seen some cases where it was great influence, very positive influence in their life. I've seen more cases, though, where it was actually a negative influence in their life. My wife needs to preach this sometimes. By the way, she can preach better than I can. But she has a tremendous testimony. In her young teenage years, she met a boy, a boyfriend, and it changed the trajectory of her life. And guys, it, it, it held her captive for 20 years, the hurt and the wounding that came from that early relationship in her early teens. What I'm saying is, Alicia, and you're sitting there nodding your head, it is huge on your identity. And then if you uh, are having sexual relationships at a teenage, in the teenage years, and God forbid, maybe not, if God's will, it's up to him, but you get pregnant, then you get labeled mom or dad, and you're not ready for that label. Anybody following me? So do you see how this happens? And what I've learned is, in America especially, I can't answer for other parts of the world, I don't live there, I live here. But in America, in my opinion, we are label collectors. We love to collect labels. I'm this, I'm that. And then we project that. We want to know who we are, and the only person that can tell us who we are is God. He's the only person that can tell you who you are. I want to talk today about the fall in the garden because since then our sensor about everything has been off. And after the fall in the garden, we no longer, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this thing, this down because this may be the most profound thing I say all day. After the fall in the garden, we no longer see things as they are. We see things as we are. Now that's profound. It's deep, but it's profound. We no longer see things after the fall of garden, after the fall in the garden, after sin, we no longer see things as they are, we see things as we are. And there is a difference. We really don't struggle with labels as much as we struggle with the limitation that the labels put on us, which is a result of the fall in the garden. Before we go to the Bible, I want to talk about the definition of the fall. And to talk about the fall, we have to talk about a fall. So they change the words, not the fall, but the a fall. Here's the definition. It is a series of uncontrollable downward movements resulting in a lower position and perspective, often resulting in injury. Now, here's something you ought to think about. We never fall up. We fall down. Okay. 
The fall is the label we put on Adam and Eve in the garden and their downward movement that resulted in separation from God. So are you in Genesis chapter 3? Let's start in verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. Now I want you to keep in mind as we read this, this is pre-fall language and pre-fall perspective. So keep that in mind as we're reading, especially in the first verses. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of, those, of, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Verse seven, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a covering. And then they heard the sound of the Lord of the God of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, "Where are you?" Highlight that. So he said, "I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself." And we'll close with this verse. And he said, "Who told you you were naked?" Everybody say, "Who told you?" Have you eaten from the tree in which I commanded that you should not eat? Now, I'm going to go on a rabbit trail for just a moment, but I just want to make you think. That's the whole purpose of this exercise is to make you think. Notice I said in the beginning verses of, that we just read, this is pre-fall language and pre-fall perspective. So here's a side note. The snake, as we call it, the serpent is now what we call a snake. A snake is something that we take a shovel if we see one in the yard and we kill him, right? Or we take a 22 and shoot him in the head. We don't like snakes. But watch this. Pre-fall, before the fall, he was cunning and he could talk. What does that tell us about life before the fall and what will be restored to us one day soon? A snake talked. Also, what does that tell us about mankind before the fall and after the fall? It is hard for us to comprehend. I believe you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. It is hard for us to comprehend all we lost before the fall in the Garden of Eden. We just don't understand it. Pre-fall, God said, what is is in the garden, multiply it. All but one tree. And the serpent said, why does God say, don't eat? Of this tree. Watch this. He plants the idea in Eve's head if you eat this of this tree, the fruit of this tree, you will be like God. The problem is she was already like God. She was created in his image. So he was telling her she was not what she already was, and to gamble that away. Think about that. So, in other words, you're not this. And this tree is not this. And you could be this. Anybody following me? So in other words, God is holding out on you. 
And the thing is, they had ultimate authority on the earth, and the enemy comes and says, take in the knowledge of good and evil. And here's the thing, she already had the knowledge of good. When she took a bite of that apple, everything changed. Now evil has come into the world, and now we have a word called wicked. Wicked is where we get the word twisted. You ever heard of a wicker basket? And it's woven together. It's where we get the word wicked, twisted. Everything is mumbled, jumbled together. It's wicked. Wicked is the twisting of good and evil. And you and I, to this day, I do, you do, we struggle with that every day. Is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. And we're constantly in a tug of war. And the closer we get to Jesus, I believe this is already happening until Jesus' return, we're going to have a harder time deciphering what is good and what is evil. And this culture is pushing all kinds of things down our throat in the name of love. But it's evil. Okay? And, and we don't understand it or see it as evil because it's so twisted together and we don't know what's good and what's bad. Now I can't decide what's good for me and what's bad for me. In the Garden of Eden, they lost the ability to discern what was good and what was bad, and we did too, but thank God for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, here's something I want you to know. The bite of the apple was only the visible sin. It was the visible part of the sin. But the invisible sin happened when Eve decided in her heart, she made a decision to take the bite of the apple. That was the invisible part of the sin that we cannot see. We only see the visible part when she took the bite of the apple, but that's only the action of sin. So here's the thing about sin. There is a conscience decision inside of us that happens before the action ever takes place. So we make a decision in our heart and we believe the lie or the label of the enemy and then we take the action of it. Let's look at the fall out and it actually began before God ever showed up. God is looking for them and they're hiding and God is like, who told you that you were naked? In other words, who gave you that label? Who have you been talking to? The fallout was not God's doing, it was man's doing. The first fallout is hiding from who they are and who they were. Three entities committed sin that day. The serpent, Eve, and Adam. Adam wasn't deceived, and you need to know this. Adam wasn't deceived. He knew what he was doing, and watch this. He chose to stay in unity with her instead of unity with God. Now, I want to say this because I'm a marriage counselor. I see this happen all the time. We would rather be in unity with our spouse, and I see this play out. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be in unity with, with your spouse, but here's what you need to know. When you stood in front of a preacher, you made covenant with God and with that spouse. So now it's a triangle. God, you, spouse. So you're not trying to just be in unity with your spouse. You're trying to be in unity with God too. Okay, but if you leave God out and you're just unity here, you're missing a key ingredient here. It's three parts. You're a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. God does things in three. Okay, watch this. So God, you got to be in unity with God. And I see this play out in couples all the time. So what they will do is to stay in unity with their spouse, they will agree to things, but only problem is it's sometimes, sometime in the future, later, the wheels are going to fall off because you're not in unity with God too. 
That's why the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Because if your guys are not in unity with each other and unity with God, it's not working. It will not work. And a lot of spouses, to keep the peace, will go along with whatever husband wants to do or whatever wife wants to do. In a lot of cases, the wife is more wanting to go after God and the husband's not, or the husband wants more spiritual things and the wife doesn't. And until all three of those things start clicking at one time, that marriage is going boo, just like that. Okay? So you got to be in unity. Everybody say unity. When God showed up, he addressed all three sinners. Sin means to miss the mark. Three sinners, four curses. The serpent, crawl and eat dust, and I'll put hate between you and man. In other words, animals and mankind will not be kind to one another. That's why we have wild animals today. The one innocent thing, this is, this is interesting, the one innocent thing that was cursed was the earth. Okay, Eve, your field where you produce and you're going to be complete and find purpose for your life concerns your womb. That's your field. And it's going to be hard for you to produce in that field. Then to Adam, your field is the ground. Instead of it producing easily, the ground is going to work against you and produce thorns and thistles and weeds. The two areas that they're supposed to produce their greatest purpose are now cursed. Not because of God's choice, but because of man's choice. God has given him authority and he chose to disobey. Because of the fall... Our vision is skewed and we see everything through the lens of I am a victim. But our original design, the way God made us, he made us to rule and reign and be decisive and be discerning and to be clear and call it out and call it forth. But we see ourselves as a victim of God's wrath. What did the enemy take that day? Write this down. Here's what the enemy took that day in the garden. He took the image of who we really are. That day in that garden with that tree, he took the image of who we really are, of who God made us to be. I want you to note two things. The result of the fall started happening before God ever showed up in the garden. That's one thing you need to notice. The other thing you need to notice is sin changed what they saw. Everybody say that. Sin changed what they saw. To this day, every time we make a mistake, the enemy shows up and he labels us and then we hide from God as a victim. And he starts telling you all God is not doing for you to stop you from your purpose, which is to have authority on the earth for the kingdom. And the whole time God is saying, who told you that? Who told you that you were disqualified? Who told you that you were no good? Who told you that you were an addict? Who told you that you were an orphan? Who told you that you would never amount to anything? Who told you that you would always suffer from mental, mental illness? Who told you that you would always be sick? Who told you that you would never be loved? Who have you been listening to? The enemy wants to be, listen to this, is so powerful. The enemy wants to be the first one to you. And here's what he's doing in our society. And it didn't happen overnight. It's been happening for a long time. But here's what's happening in America. The enemy is in a race to get to your kids first. And now he's penetrating our public school systems with garbage. I mean garbage. 
And in the public school systems are now trying to define who they are and actually giving them the choice to decide who in the world they are. And the enemy is in a race trying to get to your kids' ears to start penetrating their life to tell them who they are. That is why, listen guys, we don't need to just have Sunday fun day down at the river. We need to have our kids in church. We need to have them in community kids. We need them learning about the lessons of God. Judeo-Christian values and morals. We need them learning and getting God to them first. Come on, why aren't you clapping? We need to get God in our children. We have to get to them first. We cannot allow the public school systems and politicians to define who our children are. Listen, I'm not talking about rioting or hurting anybody, but I am saying stand up and say enough is enough. Enough is enough. Come on, church. And so what the enemy does is he runs to your kids and he says, oh, you had sexual abuse. Oh, you're this. You're now this label. Oh, you're a misfit. You don't, you don't, you're not accepted. So you need to go with this culture because they accept you. And matter of fact, whoever accepts you, be that. And the devil wants to make you fearful of the thing that you need the most. You ever seen a baby? Because I just saw Harlan do this. He fought sleep, yet he wanted it so bad. You know what? You want peace so bad, but you fight it so bad. You want it. And when he finally went to sleep, it was like, I don't want to tell you, you're fighting the thing you need the most. And somebody in this room, you need God in the worst of ways. Because there's no peace in your life. And God wants to bring peace to your life. Am I talking to anybody today? So the enemy comes along and he says, you know, you want, you're this and you're that. And God says you're this, but the enemy says, no, you're this. And he puts a big sticker on us that says, I am the opposite of what God has called me to be. And then over and over, God has to say, son or daughter, who have you been talking to? Who in the world has been telling you this garbage? Did you know we are defiled uh, we're not defiled, excuse me, by the abuse or the abandonment or the rejection or the pain or whatever. We are defiled by what we say about that. By what we do with it. By the future we create with what happened and then we allow it to happen. Anybody following me? So we begin to speak this stuff and we begin to say this stuff and then it starts happening. Job said, the thing I feared the most came upon me. So when you rehearse things and you say things out of your mouth, the Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. And when you start speaking forth things, you're actually creating things because you were made in the image of God. So you're creating what you're saying. You're creating what you're saying. So if you're talking that way, then those things are going to start happening. Write this down. Your past does not have a future unless you give it one. Your past does not have a future unless you give it one. We keep dragging all those identities of the past into the future. And the whole time God is saying, who told you that? You know what we do when we play victim? We echo the torment in our own ears and the ears of other people over and over and over and over again. We relay and we and we rehearse that negative stuff that happened to us in our past so much that we begin to believe it. How many of you ever heard this? If you tell a lie so long, you will believe the lie. This is, this is statistically, scientifically proven. If you tell a lie long enough, you'll believe it. If you hear somebody tell a lie long enough, you'll believe it. 
Anybody, anybody I, don't, I don't know if you, if you had this experience, but anybody have any family members that like to tell tall tales? I got some in my family. I got one guy in particular. And everybody knows he's full of. But we all listen to him. And we hang on every word he says. The problem is, now we all believe his stories. And we know they're not true. Am I right? If you tell a lie long enough, you'll believe it. You know what they do on this, this device over and over? They tell lies, 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 lies. And you read it and you believe it. And you believe it and you believe it. Why? They rehearse it and they rehearse it and the media rehearses it and they rehearse it and they rehearse it and then we believe it. Okay? The enemy's voice is always one of disqualification. In other words, reject yourself in advance. Write this down. He can't take, the enemy can't take anything from you that you don't allow. He cannot take anything from you you, don't, you do not allow. Now, I love this, and I see this happen all the time. Oh, they don't like me. They don't like me. I hear this all the time. They will never change. Been this way for 25 years. Nothing's ever going to change. This always happens to me. And you know what we're doing? We're amplifying the label the enemy is planning in us. We're shouting out the label. And we're telling the enemy that every button and every weapon he is forming against you is hitting its target every time you open your mouth and you say it. You're confirming to him you're hitting the target, buddy. You are hitting the bullseye because I'm repeating it out of my mouth saying you're hitting it because I am repeating the label that you're planting inside of me. Because I'm opening my mouth, defiling my own life by labeling myself as a victim. Let me tell you something, and I'm trying to wrap up, but the enemy is not some powerful force that I think we, we think he is. Like, I think we get way too weirded out by the devil. I mean, way too weirded out by the devil. We, we just put too much emphasis on his power. Did you know the book of Revelation says that when he is revealed, when Satan is revealed, the Bible says this in Revelation, when Satan is revealed, we're all going to go, that's him? That guy right there? That's the man that, that divided nations? That's the enemy right there that I was so scared of? I had a mentor tell me one time, I had a mentor tell me this. He said, Satan is a mouse with a microphone. But I want to take that further because I agree with him but disagree with him. Yes, Satan is a mouse, but we have the microphone. And what we do is we amplify what he's telling us. And we begin to say it out of our mouth. And I don't know about you, but I have, to, I have to decide whether or not I'm going to defile myself with what I say. When I speak it, I'm giving power to his opinion. When I speak it, I'm giving power to his opinion. When the Bible says resist the devil and he must flee, you need to study that word flee. Study the word flee. 
Let me tell you something about that word flee. Here's what it means. It means to scamper. Let me tell you something. Lions don't scamper. Rats do. That was worth getting up coming to church right there. <laughs> what is built up in your mind, here's the battle right there, right there, right there, right there between your ears. The battle is right there. And the enemy's going to hit you before your feet ever hit the ground right there. And he's going to tell you, you're not this, you're not that. Everything that happened in church yesterday, oh, that's not true. You don't need to go to groups tonight. You don't need to sign up for groups. Them people don't really like you. You're not accepted there. Am I hitting any targets this morning? I'm going to let you sit in silence. He tells you, you're not good enough. You don't do your job enough. You messed up. You didn't sing that song right. You didn't speak to somebody. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. Well, it's getting quiet. I must be hitting a target, boy. I don't know. <laughs> what is built up in your mind, listen to me, is an illusion of the enemy. That something is missing and you're not enough as you are. And I want to tell you, on your own, you're not enough. I'm not enough. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. You and I were created with a God-shaped hole inside of us. And on our own, on my own, and on your own, we're not good enough. But with him, we're more than enough. Come on, with him, we are more than enough. So I'm going to tell this story, and then I'm going to close, I think. Yeah, I'm almost there. Um, one of my pet peeves, and I hate this. And In fact, uh, I think because of my grandpa, I'm getting bolder. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting to the age, I just don't care. But I'm going to call people out on it. You do me this way, I'm going to call you out on it. And um, I hate it when people try to drag your past into the future. Talking to a guy not too long ago. I hadn't seen this guy in years. Years. Calls me out of the blue. Said, I need to see you. I need to talk to you about something. I said, okay. So I set up an appointment. And I met him out here. And seen him in years. And uh, we walk in. We're looking at the place he'd never been in here. I was showing him. I walked him in here, showed him the worship center. And I was telling him, look at what God has done. Look at what the Lord has done. Before I could just, I was just praising the Lord. Man, look at, look at what God has done. Look at all the things the Lord has done in this church. Look at the people's lives that are being changed. Look at the people that are being saved. I was telling him all the awesome things that are happening in this place. And before I could even get that finished, that sentence finished out of my mouth, he says, remember when you were this? That, my friend, is the devil. Because he loves to remind you of what you used to be. And he started dragging up what I used to be. And he started talking about what used to happen. And I said, stop right there. That's the devil. I'm not listening to that. If you want to talk about something positive, we will, but we're not talking about that because that's not who we are anymore. That's not who I am anymore. Come on, church. Come on, church. Are y'all with me? The enemy loves to use people, and the devil through people love to talk about what used to be. Even if it's 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 5 years ago, or 5 minutes ago, 
Are y'all with me? The enemy, oh, this is so good. This is so good. The enemy loves for you to fight a fight that's already over. The enemy loves for you to fight a fight that is already over. And let me tell you something. That's what labels do. They keep you fighting a fight that is already over. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, we don't live by the flesh any longer. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Is that what scripture says? But here's a problem. I found a problem. There's a difference between the word justification and the word sanctification. They're two different things. And a lot of times we get justified. We come in here, we get saved, we get of our life to the Lord, but we never walk out. The Bible calls it walking out your salvation. That's sanctification. I'm walking out my salvation. Okay? But the problem is, how can I walk out my salvation if I'm not spending any time with God? Listen, write this down. If I'm not spending time with Christ, I'm in a crisis. If I am not spending time with Christ, I am in crisis. And all I'm hearing is what the enemy's telling me or the world is telling me or culture's telling me. And the inside and the outside don't match up. And that's what sanctification does. It makes the inside and the outside match up. Because I'm being sanctified daily. I am walking this thing out. I am building my relationship with, with the Lord. If I am in Christ, then my label changes. Worship team, Pastor Daniel, come. And as you come, you begin to play worship team. Be patient. And we're going to get to that song, Jaira, in a minute. Do y'all remember that song, Jaira, they sang a while ago? What's that song say? It says, I am more. He's more than enough. He is more than enough. I'm not enough on my own, but he is more than enough. Can I hear an amen? So here's what's fixing to happen. I'm just going to give you while they're coming and you're watching them walk up here. I want to tell you something. Starting today, we're fixing to do something new. So I'm fixing to show you something new. And I've learned that church folks are kind of like cattle. They see a new gate. They don't know what to do with it. What is that? So I'm going to go ahead and prepare you. Starting today, from now on, from now on, from now on, every Sunday service that we have, any service, semblance of a service we have, we're going to have an altar team. And we're going to have people praying for you. So we're going to have two men down here. We're going to have two ladies down here. And if you're a man, go to a man for prayer. If you're a lady, go to a lady for prayer. But from now on, every service that we have, there will be an opportunity for you to come down front and to be prayed for about anything. Okay? So we're going to invite those guys up here in just a moment. But I want to tell you, in the next few weeks, we're going to hit identity head on. And we're going to talk about this and we're going to unpack this and we're going to unpack who has God really made us to be. Let me tell you something. Don't just be saved. Walk in the authority of who God has called you to be. Walk in authority of who you really are. I want to say this as we prepare for altar time. God can't bless who you're pretending to be. He can only bless who he created you to be. And he cannot bless you pretending to be something else. And the outside and the inside don't match up. And God today wants you to walk in the authority of who he really called you to be. Amen? 
Today, we can have a brand new identity in Christ. Quit collecting labels. Only be the label of who God says you are. Let's pray. Today, Father, if you'd bow your heads, close your eyes. Today, Lord, we surrender the locked areas of our heart and we give them to you. Lord, we're tired of, of struggling in ourself. Who am I? Who have you made me to be? And this tug of war that goes on on the inside of us constantly. Who am I? And God wants you to know today, today can begin the journey of finding out who you are and who he's made you to be and to walk in that authority. And today, Lord, I thank you that I believe today on January the 8th, 2023, eternity is about to be marked forever. Eternity is about to be marked. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.